We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories provide you, and more than likely, what the inventor of the first typewriter may have considered a weird distraction from everyday life. This week is all about a spooky American bar with a very interesting past. But before we get into that, I have a little bit of housekeeping to share, and then I'll let you know what I need a distraction from this week. In terms of housekeeping, as many of you know, Patreon has been on pause since July. There will be an update soon, so please keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. Not that you could close your ears. But regardless, I'll be posting the update on Patreon first because obviously patrons have the right to know before everybody else. And then I'll probably make a post on the podcast social media accounts. If you're not following the podcast on like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or anything like that, you definitely should because I do for the most part post quite a bit on there, especially show updates. Except for TikTok, I haven't posted on TikTok in a really long time, and that's because I just sometimes don't know what to post. Any ideas would be great. I've had a couple of ideas, but they take a lot of time, and you know what? Your girl is not really afforded that luxury right now. Now, in terms of my need of a distraction, mentally, I'm preparing for the next couple of weeks where things will be extremely busy due to work, training. I have a concert I'm going to. I believe I have a follow-up dental appointment I have to attend. And there's just a lot going on, especially in the month of September, obviously. I'm also gearing up for a spooky season, which that does actually take a lot of time, if you can imagine. Really, I'm just needing a distraction from all the things I should be physically doing to prepare for all of this, you know, like cleaning the house or doing better garden work or just in general regular things that one should prepare for before, you know, some substantial time away from home. But instead of dusting and instead of washing my windows, I'm here recording because this is a lot better than either of those options. Having said that, let's get into this week's episode. I know last week's episode was a paranormal-based one, but we're getting closer and closer to spooky season, so it just feels right to do a double header. I actually saw, I think it was on Facebook, because yes, I'm one of those millennials that still uses Facebook, that someone was like, oh, it's actually not August anymore, it's October. And you know what? I live for that. I think if we have to start celebrating or seeing Christmas stuff in October, for example, then we should see Halloween stuff earlier. We should celebrate Halloween and Thanksgiving and all that stuff earlier. One could say that you could celebrate it all year round. With that said, get your letters out as we're going to get acquainted with the history, occult observations, and the haunts of Milwaukee's Shaker Cigar Bar. Due to potential coarse language, distressing topics, along with other disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. 
Situated at 422 South 2nd Street, Milwaukee, within the state of Wisconsin, stands today's weird distraction. The original four-story structure that we'll be focusing on today would be established in 1894, with accounts claiming it was reportedly built on a former cemetery. If that doesn't scream, this place is gonna end up haunted, then I don't know what would. Especially because there was an alleged tragedy on site of the cemetery before construction even began. In which, here is a direct quote from a Olaner State page to explain further. Quote, Sometime in the 1850s, a young girl named Elizabeth apparently fell out of an apple tree behind the cemetery and died. End quote. We'll discuss Elizabeth later on, but I was able to tie in from other resources that she may have been around eight years old when she passed away. Now, you may be wondering, okay, so there was a cemetery on this property before what would be the modern-day Shaker Cigar Bar would be built on. Did the people resting at this cemetery relocate? Were they able to dig them up and take them to a newer cemetery, maybe down the road? Like, where did these people go? Well, according to resources, not all the families of those buried could afford to just switch graves once the future of the land was proposed. And I can imagine that doing this would have also taken a lot of time. Perhaps the family members weren't allotted a lot of time to really make that decision or get the funds together. It appears that there were some bodies of the former cemetery left. They weren't moved, they were just left where they laid, and eventually they were crudely built upon. Now, the first owner of this building, technically second owner of the land if you want to be specific, was the Schlitz Brewery Cooperage House. Now, fun fact, the Schlitz Brewing Company was once the largest producer of beer in the United States. By 1905, the home of the Schlitz Brewery would be sold to be used as a distribution center. Given the building is reportedly within the town's warehouse district, it seemed like a reasonable transition. However, this wouldn't be its last transition this building would go through by any means, shape, or form. Jumping to 1922, there's prohibition of alcohol, which had swept most of the nation, including the state of Wisconsin. Booze-thirsty locals were perhaps on the hunt for a way to meet their alcohol needs. They wanted their martinis, and they wanted them now. Those folks would get this need met by the one, the only, Al Capone. If you're hearing this name for the first time and have no clue who I'm name-dropping, Al Capone, aka Scarface, was an American gangster and businessman who attained notoriety during the Prohibition era. Al, or Scarface, bought the former Schlitz Brewery building to set up one of his Milwaukee speakeasies. From what I've gathered in my research, Al and his family had another speakeasy in Milwaukee, which would be set up in Brumder Mansion, which apparently is another Milwaukee haunted hotspot. I may cover it in the show. I definitely wrote it down. Now, Al was a businessman, and apparently he purchased the Cooperage House under the guise it was a soda company called the ABC Soda Company. On paper, it was just an innocent bottling plant for a soda pop. In reality, Al and his group were bringing in imported booze from Canada, brought over Lake Michigan in beer barrels. While running the ABC Soda Company, it's been reported that not only was there illegal booze on site, but there were also not-so-legal gambling taking place in the basement, along with a large brothel being located on the second and third floors of the building. The brothel specifically would run until around 1945 or 1946, where reportedly it was primarily worked by underage girls. In one resource I came across regarding this, it noted how underage girls were calmly working within prohibition 
speakeasies in Milwaukee. This was apparently a normal thing. That doesn't make it any less inappropriate or give me any less concerns about red flags and human trafficking going on. During its brothel era, it seems as though there could have been a lot of fatalities, and that doesn't really surprise me, but it's just interesting how little information we have and what information we do have has kind of swept into potential local lore. Take this direct quote from the Olaner State website as an example. Quote, Local lore asserts that an unfortunate sex worker was hacked to pieces by a disgruntled client, end quote. Now, at first I thought, okay, this seems to be a tale that could apply to any former brothel. What makes this potentially something that could have actually happened? There's more that I found out in relation to this lore from a Spectrum News article when years later charred bones were found inside the third floor walls. Quote, staff believe it, being the charred bones, to be Molly, who is the top girl working at the brothel. She was just 18 when she was murdered, dismembered, and her body burned in the fireplace of her room to avoid detection by the mobsters downstairs, end quote. It seems like there could be someone actually associated with this lore, maybe. I'll get into it in a little bit, but just keep Molly in mind. Speaking of deaths, I'd be silly not to mention the local lore around mob-related deaths on site. And direct quote from the previously mentioned Olinger State website, quote, At least two mob deaths are suspected to have occurred during this time. Chillingly, there is a seven-foot by three-foot rectangle in the foundation of the building that most assume is the final resting place of a murder victim, end quote. It's not clear who this could have been once for. However, it could have been for anyone. Maybe someone who crossed Capone in some way, shape, or form. Speaking of Al, in 1931, Capone would be convicted and sentenced to 11 years in federal prison, among being fined quite the lump sum due to tax evasion and prohibition charges. Here's a weird distractions tip of the day. Make sure to do your taxes, kids. Anyways, ABC Soda Company still carried on despite one of its main figures behind bars, and for those wondering, Al would eventually be released in 1939 before he would pass away in 1947. It's not clear to me whether Al ever returned back to the building or returned back to work at the ABC Soda Company, but some believe that he continues to come back to now the Shaker's Cigar Bar, just in a different form, if you catch my drift. The building would be purchased in 1986 by a man named Bob Weiss. I'm not sure if anyone else owned the building between 1946 to then or not, as it wasn't really made clear in my research. Nonetheless, once Bob reportedly took over and began doing renovations, he sort of really quickly realized he purchased himself one haunted building. Quote, When I opened up in 1986, almost out of the gate we had contractors, otherwise rational people, starting to talk about their experiences here. The staff, again, almost out of the gate, had talked about things taking place, said owner Bob in a quote from the Haunted House's website. Furthermore, Bob was once quoted stating, you can talk to any of the staff and they've got experiences that are as fresh as yesterday or last week that take place, end quote. In 2021, Spectrum News 1 did an interview with Marley Decker, a tour guide of Shakers for a very ooky spooky inside scoop, including how there were two sets of human remains sort of huddled up next to one another within the corners of the building's basement. 
The story goes that when it was discovered there were buried remains in the basement in this corner, Bob called the police. And apparently, once the police were kind of notified, they didn't remove the remains. So if the sources I came across are correct, the remains are still in the basement to this day. Bob has left the remains where they lied, recovered them, like reburied them because at one point they were dug up. And now there are just these two plastic Halloween skeletons on top of them, kind of giving a nod to, hey, there's remains here. I know folks tuning in might have some opinions on this because trust me, I do too. If it were me and I was put in this situation, I don't know if I would have chosen Halloween decorations to kind of identify where the remains are. I might have done some kind of tribute to them or something else, but I mean, I I don't know. It's definitely a weird way to go about it, to say the least. Before I take us away from the building's basement, I do want to highlight another weird aspect of it that I came across in my research. So the basement appears to have a very deep cistern, which for folks like me who apparently know nothing of structures, you might be thinking, it has a pardon what now? By definition, a cistern is a container for water found either above ground or underground. A lot of people compare it to a well. That's kind of my takeaway. That's the very simplistic form of it. I know there's maybe someone tuning in screaming, they're so different. And you know what? They They probably are, but to my little brain, it's kind of the same. So there is this theory that the Capones used to throw bodies of their enemies or people that perhaps just annoyed them down in this cistern. I mean, it kind of makes sense. And hey, if I had a cistern, I'd probably throw some things down there. Actually, you know what? No, I I don't think I would because I feel as though if it's not going anywhere, it's just going to sit down there. What if it stinks? Anyways, I do want to highlight that this is just a theory and it's not been proven that the cistern was used as some kind of dumping ground, but keep this little weird gem in mind for later. Nonetheless, the cistern has been gated up as of recent so that, you know, no one can go down there, nothing can be thrown down there really, and probably overall just for safety measures too. Now back to the body count of this building, it seems as though there have been three unidentified bodies that have been found inside Shaker Cigar Bar, the third being the previous mentioned charred bones found in the third floor. Those third floor bones, aka the ones that some folks believe were from a former sex worker named Molly, were apparently discovered when Bob had planned to have work done on the roof. In a further direct quote about these remains from Marley Decker, quote, The medical examiner was able to confirm that the remains were of a female in her late teens or early 20s, and the remains were about 70 years old, end quote. Now, weirdly enough, M from And That's Why We Drink podcast covered the Shakers Bar last week on their show. I saw the show's Instagram post indicating that M had discussed Shakers and immediately decided that, you know what, I want to hear what M has to say about this place. They mention how the third floor remains, who some believe is Molly, has been allegedly identified as Molly Brennan, who was of Irish descent and only 16 years old when she was reportedly working at the former brothel. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned that Molly was about 20-something. It's hard to say, like, unless we have the full story. She could have been 16. She could have been 20. I think she would have been in that late teens, early 20s part of her life. Based on what we know and given the age frame of women and girls working in brothels at this time. It's been said that Molly was one of the most popular sex workers at this brothel, often working the penthouse suite, located on the third floor. 
Tragically, it's believed that she was murdered and dismembered within the room she once worked in. And further trying to figure out who all died at Shakers, I did also read into the BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural book, where they mentioned that an underage sex worker was strangled to death by a customer, perhaps a lover, sometime in 1926. Now, I'm not sure if what BuzzFeed Unsolved was mentioning in their book was Molly or another sex worker that also maybe was murdered there. Because to be honest, I'm sure many sex workers met their fate at this brothel. And without the proper information, it's really easy to get kind of mixed up as to who is who and what happened when and all the fine details. Regardless, there have been three sets of remains found on site, and it's hard to say if those are the only people who have actually died on the property. I mean, there was a whole ass cemetery occupying the land before 1894. The building was then eventually ran by one of the most notorious gangsters in America. You can't convince me that there wasn't any more bloodshed than those three people. There's no way. Despite the murky details of its history, staff today are reportedly trying to figure out what perhaps took place in this building before it became Shaker Cigar Bar. Speaking of the present, the former brewery cooperage house slash prohibition speakeasy slash brothel slash illegal gambling den is now, as mentioned numerous times, a cigar bar slash Airbnb. Before we shift gears into occult observations, I have one last piece of weird information that I wanted to share with you all. According to the Shakers Cigar Bar website, infamous Milwaukee serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer used to visit this bar in the 1990s. For those tuning in who maybe don't recognize this name, as mentioned, Jeffrey was a serial killer whose 15 victims were boys and young men who were, for the most part, either African-American, Asian, or Latino. Dahmer's case has been very publicized since his 1991 arrest, all the way to his death in 1994 and onward. I mean, there's still books, podcasts, TV shows dedicated to this man's crimes and life to this day. Now, you might be wondering why. Like, what makes him so special? What makes him so marketable? Well, it's because of how gruesome and downright despicable his actions were. And I won't get into the specifics of his case, and his case is one of those ones that I don't know if I'll ever talk about on the show because of how much it's been discussed. I just don't think I have anything to offer for that. And also, I've heard and kind of read that a lot of the victims' families of Dahmer don't necessarily want that publicity. They don't want it to keep being brought up and brought up. I I could be wrong, but I could have sworn I read somewhere or at least heard somewhere that they don't want the publicity anymore. I mean, it's re-traumatizing over and over again, I can imagine. Now, having said that, because of the Shakers website's claim, I was a little taken aback by this. Yes, Dahmer was in Milwaukee in the 90s, but did he actually come to the establishment or is this just kind of one of those situations where it's like, well, he could have, so we're going to claim it. I decided to look into this claim a little bit further, and lo and behold, I stumbled upon an L.A. Bible article by Dominic Smithers that actually expands on this statement a little bit more. It turns out that staff and the owner of Shakers would recall Jeffrey coming in, and they were able to tell it was him after the fact. I mean, they probably saw his face plastered all over the news, and they put two and two together. Which, could you imagine? You're a restaurant or a bar owner, and you're doing your day-to-day thing. You might meet a couple people that give you kind of the ick, but you don't necessarily think like, hey, this person is a serial killer, and then all of a sudden, plot twist, they're on the eight 
8 p.m. news after murdering a bunch of people. I couldn't imagine. How surreal is that? Owner Bob Weiss recalls his interactions with Dahmer in one quote from that article. In 1991, in January, this guy would start walking in and he just looked out of place. He didn't comport himself well and he would just kind of glare at the staff. We are 95% female employees and he would gnaw at the female bartenders or servers get him a drink. He was always adamant that myself or my sous chef would come out of the kitchen to make him his gin and tonic, end quote. I also want to highlight that it's very rare, I mean, maybe very rare to me, that there are two infamous criminals associated with one building. I mean, of course, that doesn't mean that there's no other ones out there. Look at the CISO Hotel, for example. But it's just bananas to me that we had Al Capone owning this place. And then decades later, we have Jeffrey Dahmer getting a gin and tonic at the same location. It makes me wonder if Dahmer specifically went to this location because Capone owned it. Like if he made an emphasis to go there because of that. Now that's all I'm going to share in terms of the Shaker's history, because I think it's about time to get into the occult observations before we just dive into the reported haunts. If this is the very first episode of Weird Distractions you're tuning into, firstly, hi, thanks for tuning in. Secondly, Occult Observations is a little segment where we go over the good, the bad, and the downright weird online reviews or occult observations about the reported haunted locations covered here on the show. I will usually cover four observations total, being two negatives and two positive ones. Having said that, let's dive into some of the negatives first so that we can end on a positive note. Today's occult observations are from Google Reviews for those wondering. The first negative observation is from user Christos, and it was back from 2020, the year of great things. And that's very much sarcastic if you can't pick up on that. And the observation is as follows. Let me preface this. I work for the cigar industry. While I am up in Milwaukee, I wanted to check this place out. Went to it at noon when it's supposed to be open. 12.10. Doors are still locked. We pound on the door. Guy comes and says they won't open until 3 p.m. No sign on the door. Nothing. Just some dude with a leather vest and a weird owl thing going on. The place looked nice too, but didn't get to see what it is about. I should have listened to what the cigars rep said. The only two lounges that are good are Havana and Yuli's. End of occult observation. Now the next negative observation is from user Scott F. This is back in 2019, and the observation reads as follows. Met out here for a tour. My wife, who wasn't drinking, had a bottled root beer that we asked to have open. The snotty bartender scoffed at opening it and sent someone out to remove us. After it was clarified, they allowed us to stay. Professional advice. Seek to understand before accusing of wrongdoing. End of observation. Now this observation comes with a response from the owner that I wanted to include because it's spicy. Quote, Scott, as members of the staff co-gently responded, Step one, don't bring your own drinks into a restaurant or bar. Step two, don't get mad when nobody is going to open your drinks for you because you're too cheap to pay for what they offer. Step three, learn some manners and respect for staff, appreciate how the world works, or stay home. End quote. I think from now on, I'm going to say to folks that are being cranky to me, appreciate how the world works or stay home because I love that so much. 
Now on to the positive observations. The first one is from user Courtney. They left this literally this month in August of 2023. And the observation reads as follows. I came for the ghost tour. Kirsten was amazing. I've been to countless ghost tours all over the country. This was by far my all-time favorite and would highly recommend. I had a few drinks and a meal after and the drinks and food were also delish. End of observation. Now the last occult observation is from user Elizabeth. Elizabeth posted this about nine months ago and the observation reads as follows. We all shared a pizza. It was very good. Cocktails were very good also. Just be careful of the prices if you're not getting rail. Think my friend ordered a drink with Angel's Breath and it was best cocktails ever had, however, $35 each, which, side note, that's a lot of money for a drink. Anyways, back to the observation. We stayed for the fortune teller. She was impressive, as well as a ghost tour. This building has amazing history. I would encourage you to read up on the history before the tour. It's difficult to cover everything during the tour. You will appreciate your tour more with a little research. The atmosphere is fantastic. However, the seating seems sparse, so plan accordingly. End of observation. I think these observations paint a very interesting weird distractions location. We've got drinks, cigars, pizzas, and some dark history. On top of all of this, we also have some alleged ghosts. Having said that, I think we all know what time it is, so let's get into the reported haunts. With a location whose history is as borderline chaotic as Shakers, it's kind of a given there's local lore and rumors of it being haunted. However, I'm sure there's some out there that would even argue that the rumors and lore are as true as the sky being blue. In terms of paranormal phenomena taking place at Shakers, I'm going to start off with the reported haunts associated with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the young girl, maybe around eight years old, who apparently died while climbing a tree when the property of Shakers was the former cemetery. Supposedly, Elizabeth's spirit wanders a building she never entered while alive, which isn't necessarily an uncommon occurrence for spirits to do. Elizabeth's spirit is apparently known to cause just a little bit of mischief in the woman's bathroom, with staff and guests reporting experiencing the following. Faucets turning on and off by themselves, audible giggling being heard as if it coming from a little girl, However, no one seems to know where or who it's actually coming from. Those using the woman's bathroom have reported hearing someone knocking on their stall as they're just, you know, trying to do their business. If that isn't unsettling, if the stall isn't locked, apparently there have been accounts of something, maybe Elizabeth, just barring down the door into your stall. I'm not sure if once the door swings open, if there's an apparition of a little girl or it's just nothing, but either way, I think. I would shit myself, and I would be in a good place to do it. Lastly, some have claimed that, again, while in the bathroom, they'll walk by the stalls to see which one is available, kind of peering in to see, you know, hey, is there anyone in this one? Is this one vacant? Only to see a stall, seemingly occupied, whose user is wearing shoes that may belong to a little girl. After some time has passed, though, no one seems to exit the stall, and the shoes disappear. Elizabeth's spirit has been reportedly honored at Shakers, as accounts have stated that there is apparently a portrait of her near the bathroom. 
Staff have reported that apparently this portrait of Elizabeth is known to move on its own, although I don't think anyone's seeing it physically move on its own. It will be one minute beside the woman's bathroom, and then the next minute it'll be on the second or third floor. As if Elizabeth is saying, hey, thanks for this photo of me, but I'm still up to my bullshit. I'm still gonna creep you out, and I'm still gonna be that little mischievous girl that you all love. Speaking of ghosts that will keep you on your toes at Shakers, let's chat about Molly, who was reportedly an underage sex worker during the ABC Soda Company days. Reports claim that Molly's spirit seems to occupy the former penthouse area of what was once a brothel located on the third floor. Supposedly, employees of Shakers have reportedly felt uneasy to the point of refusing to enter the room where, potentially, Molly's murder occurred. The Only Inner State website noted that staff have claimed that the aura of the room is incredibly oppressive and uncomfortable. As mentioned, the upstairs of Shakers is now an Airbnb, where people can book a night or more to stay over. According to M segment from And That's Why We Drank, guests who dare spend the night reportedly have to sign a waiver saying they won't sue if they experience a haunting, which tracks since it seems there's a history of people booking in only to leave in the middle of the night due to weird activity. Reported accounts of alleged paranormal phenomena that are said to take place within the third floor include phantom cries, with some resources noting people will hear what sounds to be a woman crying, lights and TVs turning on and off on their own accord, TVs in particular will apparently have their channels change on their own, and seemingly the volume will go up and down sporadically with no explanation. People have reportedly felt someone or something grab them while sleeping. Further accounts claim that there have been shadow figures witnessed on the third floor, on top of personal items being moved around on their own, or knocked off dressers or tables when no one is in the room. Because screw your personal belongings, they're fair game to be pushed and moved by the ghosts. Lastly, people have heard mumbled conversations that cannot be traced to being anyone nearby. Shockingly, the third floor and woman's bathroom aren't the only haunted hotspots at Shakers. The building's basement reportedly has been dubbed the most active, which is probably no shocker given the human remains, concrete burial site, and the cistern that's located down there. As mentioned earlier, the cistern is now gated off to avoid folks from getting into it. Previously, though, it was covered by a cement slab. The gate was imposed because staff felt like, when the slab was on top of the cistern, there was a lot of aggressive paranormal activity. Once there was the switch to the grade, the activity seemingly calmed down. Now, back in the early 2000s, a staff member was apparently dating an individual who identified as being spiritually sensitive. And this person alleged that, while down in the basement, they encountered a spirit named O'Connor. Uncertain as to whether there was someone by this name who died in the basement or died in the property, the name O'Connor has stuck to whatever entity is downstairs. And despite the lack of details, O'Connor apparently has a bit of a aggressive reputation, which is interesting because I'm not sure if this spirit is still aggressive to this day or if it was aggressive because of the whole slab on the cistern situation. Supposedly female presenting tour guides and staff, specifically those with red or blonde hair, have been known to be assaulted by this spirit while giving tours or just in the basement. There's been accounts of hair pulling, people feeling like their butts are being slapped or grabbed, and one female tour guide allegedly called O'Connor a lazy Irish bastard, which led to her apparently being pushed up against a wall by an unseen force. 
Besides all of that terrifying information, O'Connor, who has been only seen a handful of times in apparently Confederate attire, has been described as being engaging with investigators. It's believed that O'Connor is the entity supposedly quickly engaging with the equipment when investigations are happening down in the basement. One last thing about this entity. On one investigation, there was apparently a spirit seen on an infrared camera nearby one of the corners of the basement. What corner, you might ask? Well, the corner where the human remains were found. I'm not sure how or why, but people think it was O'Connor's spirit, maybe indicating that their remains are there, or perhaps reminding folks that there are remains there. It's really not clear to me as to why O'Connor would be hanging around there specifically other than those two reasons. Few further haunting details of the basement that I want to mention to you all. Apparently, if you're a cop and you're visiting the Shaker's basement, you may feel off or just some negative vibes overall. I mean, this place was a prohibition speakeasy and brothel, so I assume folks of the law aren't going to be overly welcomed by potential former gang member spirits. Staff have recalled feeling a lot of dread while going down to the basement, especially if they have to unload the beer down there. I mean, I can only imagine people are doing rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go down to the creepy basement for a couple hours on their shift. One tour guy noted he once went down to the basement and noticed a 400-pound safe that had moved from one end of the basement into the middle of the room facing the staircase. As if that wasn't eerie enough, the tour guide would later recall having kind of this weird out-of-body experience where he is all of a sudden looking at himself, looking at the safe from across the room. In this new, weird, across-the-room POV, the tour guide seemingly begins running at the version of himself on the stairs. Talk about an American Horror Story slash Matrix slash Sleep Paralysis crossover here. The story goes that the tour guide books it up the stairs before anything further happens, but it makes me wonder if he was maybe temporarily possessed by something. I'm not sure. I would love to hear what you all think. Another weird part of the basement that I wanted to highlight is a storage room. So the storage room door in the basement is apparently known to shake violently on its own. People have heard someone knocking on this door at random. And if that doesn't make you feel uneasy enough, there's a latch on this door that apparently has been bent outward as if someone is inside the storage room trying to escape while pushing this door. I don't know what's creepier, the fact that this door violently shakes or that over the years, the latch on this door has been pushed so many times by an unseen force that it's now bent. I mean, both are pretty spooky, but I would love to hear what you all think. Having said that, it's time to wrap up this week's Weird Distraction. This week's distraction seems to check off all the boxes of what could make a haunted location, well, haunted. We've got a building on a former cemetery, an alleged death before the building was even built, aka the death of Elizabeth, the building becoming a brothel and a prohibition speakeasy ran by one of the most infamous American gang members known in history, which that in and of itself has a bunch of rumors and lore about potential deaths and traumatic situations that could have taken place on site. 
Then there's the renovations, discovery of bodies, a former patron who was a serial killer, continued attempts to communicate with the dead. All of this combined, I would be more surprised if this place wasn't haunted. But what do you all think? Is Shaker Cigar Bar in Milwaukee as haunted as people claim it is? Let me know your thoughts on the podcast's social media accounts, or feel free to shoot me an email. As well, feel free to let me know if there's any other reported haunted hotspots in Milwaukee or in the state of Wisconsin that could be the next weird distraction. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming Weird Distractions or any podcast on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, please consider leaving a rating or review because that is the best way and the cheapest way, because it's free, to support your favorite podcasts. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an episode is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find Weird Distractions over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and on TikTok. Do you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month? Why not join one of two tiers over on the Weird Distractions Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and bonus series, such as the Even Weirder series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early and ad-free access to regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Jennifer, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you and appreciate your support so much. Without you, Weird Distractions may not be what it is today. Lastly, I want to hear from you. I would love to collect your stories of paranormal encounters, too close to home true crime cases, maybe even some weird MLM experiences, or maybe just in general weird things that you've encountered so that I can continue to release the Listener Distraction series. And you might be tuning in for the first time and you might not know what I'm talking about. This is a series that Christy and I originally started where we would read your personal experiences on air. If you have a story you want to share, please email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections needed to be made after today's episode, please let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.